Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, guys. We have a $100 AFCO gift card and four LK lures rigged with beast hooks to give away. All you have to do is fill out a short survey and enter your email address in the box below. The link is located on Instagram and at the podcast description. Giveaway ends July 11th. Oh, my birthday, bro. <clears throat> and thanks again for all the support. We really appreciate it. Check out LK Lures on Instagram. They make amazing weedless baits. And check out AFCO. Uh, big supporter, Matt Florentino. Really appreciate it, bro. Later. Whatever, yeah, just letting you know, like, however comfortable you feel, that's that's how it's going to be. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I just like telling people, because some, have you ever done podcasts before? Never. So then this is kind of weird for you. <laughs> to me, well, you teed it up real good. You said, we drink beer and talk about fishing. And you know what? I didn't think too much of nothing. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. I'm not, I mean, it's cool. We got headphones. I can hear myself talk better. But it's, to me, that's all I'm thinking about. It's, yeah, it exactly. Is, I mean, you're going to turn some dials and stuff like that. I got to make sure not to you know scuff that up or smack my lips too much but <laughs> we'll see how it goes if i'm that guy sounding like boom Hauer from king of the hill then then i am <laughs> you know all right well that was a great introduction but i'll have to say it oh, again shit. oh that was it <laughs> well we'll start we'll start a real oh, one that's but fine that was that's a funny fine. one so you can do whatever <laughs> welcome to cast and crank uh today we have i guess our first how, what size boat do you, do you run? It's a 90-foot long-range sport fishing boat, but yeah, it's just the... So our first big boat captain, we've had a couple other captains on, but I mean, he does uh, long-range trips, Alec Robbie with the Polaris Supreme. Yes, sir. Great, man. And uh, a fan, I'm not a fan, what a dickhead I sound like, a fan. <laughs> no, uh, one, of the, one of the people that follow us, uh, Damon, mm-hmm. kind of pushed us this way, which we really appreciate it. Thanks, Damon. Uh Getting his captains on. Like I said, if you guys have people you can think of that are, are cool people and would probably want to come on the podcast, uh, DM me, dude. I'll fucking... Everyone. Like I, like I said, it's just fun talking about fishing. So this is one of those guys that we got on, and uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm sure he's had a lot of good stories being on long-range trips. So let's find out how you got into fishing. How I have gotten into fishing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just... Ugh. This goes back. This goes back so long that I don't even remember. It was basically my my dad. I you know he took me like every other, what I imagine most 
fathers do. They take their son fishing in a pretty local pond or stream or something. And did you grow up down here? Or? I grew up down here in Orange County, right in uh, Tribuco Canyon, which is just South Orange County. And we went fishing in uh, Holy Jim Canyon, just a little river there. They stock some trout or whatever and took me. I caught a couple and just bugged the shit out of them. You know, why don't we go back, go back. And Is that is that the one that drains into Laguna Niguel? Laguna Niguel. Lake? Lake. I don't really know where it goes. Let's see. It goes, I can't say. Is it above the five? Mm. So it's you, it's on the way to like Cook's Corner and okay. all that. Yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right okay. as you cross okay. it. Yeah. All right. I get it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But yeah, I just bugged the crap out of him. It went from like a river to like, hey, let's go to that lake, to the jetty, to the San Clemente Pier. And then from the pier, I see the boats. I'm like, can I go on a boat? And my dad's <laughs> like, what the hell? What the hell did I get my son into? What kind of hobby? Does he, he's always asking me to go on these things, and soon he had to like bribe me, like ah, get a ninety percent of your spelling test, one hundred percent, then we'll go. And I don't know, it's kind of cool incentive, but it just kept expanding from there to eventually get on a uh, a big long range boat. You know, I see it on you know inside sport fishing. Would see a couple, you know, the Red Rooster threes, June Heat, or even Deep Color, which is on the boat I'm on right now, which is the Polaris Supreme. And so uh, you were watching this when you were a kid. Oh, and I was a little, yes, I was a little guy. That was like, Oh, that's fucking awesome. That was like the thing for me is to watch those. And that, the, Oh my gosh, that Ron Gribble, and Michael folks and Andy Cates and Tommy Rothery. And that was like the coolest shit for me is seeing those big tuna. And then, Oh my God, it's so big. They clip a rod onto it and throw it in the water. And they still <laughs> get it. Like who the hell does that? It's so big. And you know, it, uh, that's how I got started on all that. But to be honest, I love all kinds of fishing. I love the saltwater, which I do it for a profession. I love the inshore. I love the offshore. Um, I live up in Idaho, and I go fly fishing up there. Crappie. Do you live there like that's where you live and you come down here to work? To, it, yes, but I am all over the place when I work. I, you know, I'm mostly in San Diego when I work. When I'm off, you know, I'm either visiting my family or my girlfriend are going on vacation and you know i haven't really really settled down quite yet playing that young man card going wherever you know i get when i was working a lot like you know work for 20 some odd days and a week off or two weeks off i'd like i'd go take a vacation somewhere like back when i worked on the red rooster i'd go to idaho or gonna go on a two-week hunting trip or whatever or i'd go to argentina and go fishing for rainbow, just all the trout there. Mm-hmm. There's these Dorado there that are not like the Dorado we have. They're these big, gnarly. So, so did to, you sent me some pictures of the golden Dorado, right? Yeah. So I just started watching that show, Fish or Die. Mm-hmm. And they were catching those right when you sent me. I'm like, I fucking seen that, bro, yeah. on TV. Dude, you, that's a fucking sick-ass fish. I, there's nothing <laughs> around here I could really compare it to, and they're one of the most fun fish to catch. Really? Every way I've caught them was basically a fly, and you either use a streamer, which is like a freaking six to ten inch thing, and you just strip it across the surface so it's really visual. You see them just pursue mm-hmm. it and crash it, or you use a rat pattern, a fucking rat. Cast out a rat and strip it, and they fucking hit it, and if they get it, they get hooked. Great. If not, they hit it like a tether ball, and it goes around branches. No You're all like, shit. And, but it's like... It's they, like a peacock bass, almost like a trout. It's like a say? peacock bass, like a trout it's got like the speed they hit it like a wahoo but they're strong they dog you like a like a tuna or grouper into these branches and stuff just a very unique fish they got teeth like wahoo but 
they actually have power behind the jaws. Like when you're taking the hook out, you you know put your little pliers in, and it's not like it. It's like a clack clack clack. You're like, God damn! <laughs> I talked to the guides there, and I'm like, do people ever like like what happens if they bite it? And they're like, oh, they break people's bones, and like Fuck. they bite it and do a little alligator roll and like sprain wrists and you know cut people open. You you see littler dorado that are like this big that are in half looks like a machete just oh, hit it shit they'll eat each other huh they'll eat it yeah exactly Fuck. you'll be catching like a five pound one and bam this 40 pound one just messes it up you know they're shit everything in that river down there either has teeth or is giant so it's it's like that river monster the itty bitty little bait fish there they got little rat teeth and then these big things they all piranhas everywhere it's it's a whole new world it was cool when i went there i uh um, I went there the first time to catch the trout and someone introduced me to my friend who actually has a guide service down there. And I did the trout thing and I'm like, you guys catch these things? He's like, yeah, you just got to go, um, just a different flight. And so next year, one year later, I went down there and went with my friend's guide service and they put us right on it. And it's, it's a whole new world. You know what Did I mean? you have to hike in at all? No hiking. Um, a couple weird flights, weird trance, like, you know. <laughs> Weird stuff like that. And then they put you in a, they come pick you up in their, you know, little, uh, it's their version of like a Tacoma. It's like a diesel little Tacoma truck. And you're, hopefully it doesn't rain too much to where you get stuck in the mud there. But don't worry, they got a giant tractor that'll come and pull you out if they do. It happens quite a bit. But yeah, you go on some jungly country through, you know, big puddle ravine kind of things. And yeah, stuff where I'm like, it's like, a foot of mud. <laughs> like, I'm like, if we lose our momentum, we're going to be here until like a tractor or people come with like come alongs and winches and stuff to pull you out. But yeah. we get there and then it's just a little couple, I'd say it's a lodge, but it's a, you know, not the most luxurious thing, but it definitely is comfortable, but it's so in the middle of it, like the jungle and it's, it's beautiful. It's so It cool. sounds so amazing, dude. Like just like a different, place to be kind of get away from everything right oh yeah there's yeah. caimans and monkeys and all sorts <laughs> of stuff i remember when i was in there there was a <laughs> so you're in your little room and they want you to keep the door shut because like all the creepy crawlies come in and i mean we didn't get any weird bugs but we got this one goddamn frog it's like a tree frog and i couldn't get him out <laughs> and like so you'd wake up in the morning early like okay almost time to go and go fishing you gotta take your piss and every morning this frog would be somewhere <laughs> like ready to fuck you up and surprise the shit out of you. Rip like, your dick off. Well, I go, I go to, I go, I, I look around because I know he's there. I don't see him. Like cool. I you know go to the bathroom, take a morning number two, and I go to the toilet paper. I, I pull a piece of toilet paper. He's in the hole. Oh, just, what a piece of shit! shit. <laughs> shit you know, first Liter- si- literally shit yourself, huh? <laughs> yes. If I had any left, yes, he got. He definitely got that last little bit out. But or another day, I'm like, check the toilet paper holder. He's not there. And then I, I, I looked at the just everywhere i'm like okay cool and like i you know do take a shower or something it's all steamy i like do that to, to wipe my hand on the mirror to like see myself and bam he comes out he's behind the mirror i'm like this motherfucker man <laughs> so it's a different world it's, it's great experiences cool. definitely it dude. is it's... every day he found a way to surprise me <laughs> check the hand that towel. fucking check. frog huh? yes <laughs> he grew on me though you know what i have to believe he was looking out for my best interest because you know, the mosquitoes down there and whatever. Oh, he was right. probably macking on those Shit. things. So, you know, you do your thing, Mr. Frog. <laughs> Scare me in the morning, but take away those weird mosquitoes and bugs and all sorts of stuff. So, 
you know, crazy did, experience. Did you get into fly fishing when you moved to Idaho? I got way more into it. You know, my grandfather, you know, older gentleman, he, he, uh, take me to random rivers and stuff and I'd do it there, but in Idaho, it's just so much more prevalent. Boise, right? Yeah. Boise. That's okay. where, that's where I live there. Shout out to my cousin. Um, <laughs> yeah, and my Tyson, neighbor, my Tyson neighbor. Clark and, uh, uh, my uncle, they both live out there. My uncle, Rick Mishler, uh, I love Idaho, so I'm sorry for cutting you off, but like when I took my kids there, I taught my kids how to drop shot because no one fishes bass, dude. Mm-mm. No one fishes bass. We went to um, Durkee's. Have you heard of that lake? Mm-mm. It's right by the Snake River. Uh, mm-hmm. it, dude, fucking awesome. No, the people are so fucking nice there. Yeah. You know, like everyone's so fucking nice up there, man. It is. It just, we. I get that. Um, my first instinct is not mess with some people. And the friend I'm with just like, oh, we were cropping. It was, it was perch. We were catching like true perch, not like surf perch. Like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Bead American yellow perch. And, you know, it's basically like making bait at times. And you fry 70 of them up. Ooh, so good. But anyway. No, we're, I heard. You know, some guys <laughs> on like a spot just fucking these things up. And we're not doing shit. And like my buddy's like, hey, what you using? What are you doing? And I'm like, he's not going to do shit. <laughs> we're like, he's doing work. And we're like, you know, like he's not going to say anything. Guy's like. Oh, you know, they're they're up kind of high. Just, you know, you're using too much weight. Try a little split shot. Just cast it and wait five seconds. And it's a weird light bite today. Just swing and you'll get it. And I'm like, no way. Cast it out. Not Hardly any weight. It's like just a piece of fucking corn or whatever. Yeah. And then I just set the hook blindly. Bam. I'm like, oh. And we just got in that routine. The guy just divulged his secret right there. It's crazy, you know. It's different. It's a different place. Like, it's totally like... Uh... I'm real, like if I didn't have my kids set mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. I would move to Idaho. Yeah, it's. But the other thing is, I love the ocean so much too. I don't know if I could completely move because yeah. I'm so close to like launching out of Huntington Harbor. Or, you know. Wherever, oh, there's definitely know. the fishing is definitely uh, <laughs> is good, but it's not as as the variety we got down no. here. You got freshwater, you got saltwater, you got inshore. Now you got offshore. Well, now you got the bluefin that are sometimes like a mile offshore or closer. You know that. That never happens, and now everyone fishing nowadays sees that. I mean, I'm not that old of, of a soul, but, like, it wasn't like that at times. I remember we had to drive, like, 200 <laughs> miles to get a bite. I was working on the Pacific Dawn doing, like, overnight two-day trips, and sometimes we could barely get into them. And all these overnight boats or close-range boats, we were struggling. You know, it was uh, it's tough. But now it's it's an amazing time to, to, to fish is all I could really say. In yeah, definitely, dude. You know? So let's talk about how you left to school. You probably did your fly fishing up there. Mm-hmm. What made you want to come back and be like, I want to be a captain? Well, I never stopped loving it. I <laughs> <laughs> I, I went up there for school, and then in the summers, I'm like, it's just my routine. Like, summertime, time to go on the ocean and work. And, you know, it's it's I still had that fire from when, you know, I saw those videos as a kid. And, like, now I get to work, and now I get to be that guy. And now... You know, I got good. You know, I actually rode the rooster as a passenger. I paid. I'd work on the dawn and pay for an eight day and a fifteen day and whatever. And then after that, I'm like, I'm I like it. I like helping people. You know, mm-hmm. it's something I like doing, and I get paid for it. So why not? So I just kept snowballing. And it's just been like that ever since. You know, the uh, I've just no matter where I live, I'd like to make that a part of my life because it's so enjoyable and or to me, you know what I mean, being at the Lehos rocks catching wahoo and yellowtail and or going to hurricane bank and you know putting on an eight pound yellowfin tuna to catch a 
200 pound yellowfin tuna. I just so wild, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, when Evan was telling me what he's using, skip 10 pound skipjack to mm-hmm. catch his shit, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? You know, that's fucking wild, dude. It is. And, <laughs> you know, people think it's funny, and this is kind of not off topic, but people think, like, oh, sharks are the craziest predators. I'm like, if fish had big mouths like sharks, I'd be more afraid of that tuna because tuna, they, they get to eat and they're fast and whatever. And, you know, there's like 125 or like a 120 pound yellowfin tuna will try to eat that 15 pound skipjack. Fuck, they dude. can't. It's too big, but they fucking try. <laughs> they're, I would not want to be swimming in the water with something like that. You know, they're, they're animals, you know, yeah. they'll eat Dorado. They'll eat whatever, fucking seahorses, even sea snake, <laughs> anything. They got to eat. They got those fast metabolisms. They got to eat. Whether we can present them something that they're going to want to eat, that's another thing. But they got to eat, and they eat some crazy things, you know. So what boat did you kind of like learn everything on? Um, The boat I learned, okay, so as far as the overnight kind of stuff. Or even let's start where you start learning to like really deckhand hardcore. That was the Pacific Dawn um, with Pat Kavanaugh. He... He took me on when I was 15, and that was cool because I not only did the offshore stuff in the summer, but I did the Channel Island stuff and seen the white sea bass and the halibut and stuff like that, and we just shuffled between the two places, you know, for the time I got in the summer, and then, you know, that's where I learned the ropes. That's where I learned... Cut your teeth pretty much on, yeah. Exactly, and then after that, once I graduated, I had the time to do the whole year-long thing and see the whole long-range, you know circle of life you know summertime kind of local three to five day trips seven day trips and then the winter time the 10 to 15 day trips we go way south for the big tuna and the wahoos so that was mainly on the red rooster three is those are the places where i really for lack of better words grew up you know especially because i spent so much time there it's like like growing up you know spent more time with those <laughs> guys and and my family and anyone else so it's uh you really you know, that's where I grew up as so far as working. You know? Did your dad ever roll out with you to some of those? You know, he, <clears throat> he not as much as one would think. I think I got him to go on a four-day trip on the Red Rooster. I think my second year working there. I got how old were you then? I was 22, I think. Okay. He went out on the, do- like I used to, so the, how I met Pat is I chartered the Pacific Dawn for my fishing club back in high school. And he went on every one of those trips was just like an overnight trip in the in April or something. He went on all of those. But once I started working, I think he only went on one four day on the Red Rooster. And that's about it. And I've been trying to, I'm like, hey dad, he's bluefin. <laughs> we got a spot. Come on. And he's, oh, I got a, he's a real estate agent. So he's like, I got a listing and stuff like that. No, but, yeah. But I, it, this is interesting to me because my son is, is uh, going to be 15 in July. So it's like, mm-hmm. this is not far. Your age is not far away from me, my son, to be like, I remember celebrating his, you know, fucking mm-hmm. ninth birthday. And now he's fucking going to be 15. He's taller than me. I'm like, fuck, this guy's bigger. <laughs> you know, like, right. so it's like. I, it's cool to hear like if your dad like rolls with you or mm-hmm. kind of like how your dad yeah. has navigated with you. He we definitely always You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. We always make a point to go and most of the time when we go, it's you know, like with Brandon who I talked about, you know yeah. he uh we find a time to go fishing off three of us or he <laughs> a couple of times it was me and my dad and Brandon his uh 
his two sons and oh that was funny because he's back when or last time we went fishing they were just both itty bitty tykes just running around and oh just, god oh, i couldn't imagine dude oh man <laughs> yes i didn't they re- get crazy the kids get so wild you know and i couldn't imagine bringing my my little guys on a boat mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yep so that's basically where I, I roll with him as far as fishing goes and you know we always make a point to go but he's not there all the gosh darn time you know they make a point to he makes a point to come down and visit me you know, in between trips and stuff like that and we hang out we hang out a lot but he hasn't really made a chance to come on the the big long trips, but you know, one day soon, whenever whenever he feels like there's yeah. good time. So. Yeah. So <clears throat> once you started deckhanding all the time, when did you become a captain? Um, it was when I was twenty. Ish, I forgot. It was the first year. Um, when Tommy asked me to work for him, it was the first chance I really got presented with a legitimate time to. Or excuse me, we can go back before that. Brandon, he straight up gave me the chance he's like you get your license i'll teach you to run it we'll start running so that is where i first started what's his brandon charter's name again it's um well i don't know what it is now it's like bite sport fishing i'm just so used to calling it <coughs> omc one man charters because that's yeah. what it used to but now yeah. it's, i think it's bite sport it's bite sport fishing now that's what it is but it's, and it's uh, a cool to talk about like so we had west mm-hmm. he came and hang out so it's cool to have these guys that kind of all know each other you guys yeah it's just you know in a small world yeah i guess but I, I don't know nothing about it so that's why i'm like oh it's cool you fucking know each other but mm-hmm. everyone's been fishing forever not me yeah so. <laughs> yeah you, you you come to find out how uh how the network really is and how yep. somewhat t- call it tight knit it, it mm-hmm. is. You know, we all kind of know each other through something or the other, but um, yeah, that's where I learned to run, run a boat. And it was cool because, you know, running a little charter boat and running a big long range boat, the premise is still the same. It's the, still the customer service and the fishing hard and the everything. It's just on two different kind of scales, you know, but it was a good place to really, uh, to learn and you know sometimes it's kind of harder because you you know on the long range boat you're like you're in a wheelhouse by yourself when you're running the park or everyone's all right there and it's a lot going on all at once but so that's where i learned that and then the step to the uh the long range fishing the biggest difference there is managing a little more people managing the crew and finding a way to get everyone to kind of cohesively work together which is just different you know what i mean it wasn't the one man kind mm-hmm. of one man charter for lack of better words anymore you had a big operation and multiple days and a lot of di- a lot more moving parts you know? yeah so but yeah that's how i learned to be captain and how i uh, started running the boats and how many uh, people do you do you usually do on your boat on overnight or so, long range so on the the trips typically we max out at 24 people <laughs> for a 90 foot boat um, it's a pretty light load compared to a lot of other boats, but this boat was kind of built to be a limited load, uh, long range sport fishing boat. So it's still a big boat, 24 people max. A lot of charters prefer to take less people and pay a little more money just to have a little more comfortable room on it though. But yeah, we take 24 passengers at a time with a crew of seven, including myself. So okay. it's, uh, it's cool. <clears throat> and it's a, it's a big boat quite a bit of people but still not 30 or something you know so <laughs> you know or 80 or whatever these you know there's a whole slew of loads in between and, yeah. on, and on brandon's boat i think the most we ever take with one person was like five I think, yeah i think it's once you get to six or more than six you got to have a 
another licensed person on. And it's just, gosh, on a Parker, having that many people. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, like four is a comfortable number. Three or four people is comfortable for, for that small Plus number. Plus the captain and a yeah. deckhand. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing it how long now, Captain? Like on the, mm-hmm. on, uh, the Polaris Supreme. The Polaris Supreme. This will be my, uh, I think, fourth year on the boat. I had one year of kind of learning the ropes, and then after that I started running it. So this will be my third year. Wow. Third full year of running it, and uh, yeah, I dig it still. I, I like all the aspects, and it ever changes too. It's not just one little area. Sometimes it's a three day trip where you got to stay local. Sometimes it's you know, seven day, a ten day trip where you got a big logistical plan. You got to factor in a lot of, you know, different uh, factors into it. Be it weather, be it what's biting, be it what the group kind of wants. You know, you got a lot of different factors rolling in there, but. It's really enjoyable. I like it. And it's a comfortable boat. It's a comfortable boat for me to work on. You get a good chef on there. You got comfortable meals. You got comfortable accommodations. Gosh, it's nice taking a hot <laughs> shower every night. Do, uh, <laughs> do you have to stop and get gas? Is this some stupid questions that I have? Like nope. on the long trips, do you have enough gas to do the whole trip? Or Yes. We have, uh, we've never had to do that. There is sometimes, I mean, I can't say I've been on a trip where they've ever done it. But certain specialty trips in the past, they have to do it sometimes, like mm-hmm. going to a place called Clipperton Island, which is 1,600 miles south of San Diego. It's basically it's basically Nicaragua, I believe. <laughs> oh, it's, it's definitely past Mexico. Yeah. Um, so, far, so far south, it's not even you know, a Hispanic. It's the French that own it, so good Lord. That's um, wild. Most boats don't have to refuel for that, but you know, if, sometimes if they make a, you know, drop some people off to fly home, they'll top off a little bit, but... Um, the Polaris Supreme is designed to do all these trips and just carry a giant capacity of fuel to comfortably fish those days with some extra, you know, just in case, you know, <clears throat> so yeah. it's a, it's a big, big capacity for the fuel and the fresh water and all the, all the supplies, you know, let's talk about when you were learning to be a captain. I'm sure there's some rookie mistakes in there. Mm. let's see let's see let's see i'm sure you're learning like oh shit why did i do that you know there's i'm trying to think of what rookie mistakes i would uh i'd make they're definitely there just not coming to mind as easy i know one time we were fishing and uh me and you know the american angler ray was running it and like, let's go south this is some good looking water up here is kind of been hammered a little bit super vague because i can't really name off the exact situation Mm -hmm. and we looked at it and we went down there and fished and it was warmer water nice edge and he had kind of the outside and i had the inside edge and we you know we were able to find some yellowfin tuna which was great Mm -hmm. a lot of bait a lot of life they just wouldn't cooperate and i'm like damn it was a frustrating day getting you know we got a handful of tuna some i don't probably 20 some odd kelp patty yellowtail on the smaller end and I was pretty uh, not quite having it. So I'm like, oh, we'll go back up, finish up by, you know, have some shots at some 20 to 70 pound bluefin, call it that. And he decided to stay. And, you know, I, to me, I'm like, gosh, dang, we just like, it was hard and they're not biting. And we're both on three day trips. So it'll be our last day. He stayed and I went up there and I did catch, we got bigger fish, but we only caught like, 15 of them yeah. and he stayed and they got like 180 or 100 or something <laughs> god bless america man like what's the deal and like i don't know just why should i have you know why should i have stayed but you can't be second guessing yourself that's kind of the one thing 
I learned if you keep second guessing yourself, it'll just second guess yourself to in the shambles. Um, but what other rookie mistakes have I? Or even like some rough seas trips. You've been. Oh, that's a that, that's, <laughs> that, that's good because that kind of brings on kind of a rookie mistake. Because one of the things I used to do, or I do a lot, I'm a lot more aware of it now, is being aware of everyone while I'm driving in rough seas. Uh, case in point, you know. I'm young. Let's, let's get after it. Let's go fishing. Bam. Oh, I see a school. Bam. Start pounding into it and going. And you get so on it because you're so excited to get to that school or that bird school or a kelp petty or whatever. And you forget about everyone else that's getting their butts kicked downstairs or the chef or whatever. And then all of a sudden you get an angry chef covered in spaghetti or something. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, man? Oh, uh, and uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that was, that's probably, that's a good thing you brought that up because that reminded me of a definite rookie thing. And I'm a lot more aware of that now. Every time that bow goes down, I'm like, shit. And I, I get a crew member, I'm like, hey, check, just let me know how they're doing, you know, make sure everyone's grabbing a rail or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's, uh, please, um, I'm definitely a lot more conscientious about that now because of a couple of situations. You have one guy, you know, just fall down and, you know, my it's harmless, you know, well, he just fell down, does himself, came right back up. And in my mind, it just blows up from like a 20-year-old guy falling down to an 80-year-old guy Dude, falling down right? to like a guy getting really hurt. And I'm like, I got to really be more careful about this, you know. So that's definitely one of the, the rookie mistakes. Um, Have you ever had anyone like get really hurt or like anything like that on the boat? You know, I haven't had any really anyone get crazy injured on the boat. Got the countless amount of hooks and we've been able to get those out. I don't even count those as serious uh, injuries anymore because we're so good. I mean, I lack of better words. I think most of these boats are good at <laughs> yeah. getting the hook out, even though to the people it's like, oh, it's the most serious thing ever. But we're like, I got these bolt cutter. We do it so fast that hopefully they just learn like, what just happened? I have a hook out of my hand now. Mm-hmm. So, um the thing that's, well, it wasn't an injury, but it was a, I don't know if it wasn't, it had all the symptoms of an allergic reaction. This lady in the middle of the night had all these symptoms of an allergic reaction mm-hmm. and she had an allergy to peanuts and stuff like that. Checked with the chef nothing had it. Nothing had it. Some, you know, something else is happening. And that was very scary because that happened. They were playing cards late at night and the whole crew and everyone, we were all asleep. The guy on watch just the chef actually comes up and just like he is like freaking out beyond belief because <laughs> he's there cleaning or something lady oh my god can't she can't even say she can't breathe and but she like gave him some epi pens before the trip oh, and fuck. they she didn't tell us about them only the chef knew which now i know to like really be um aware of stuff like that and she's like like giving the motion to like you know, administer this EpiPen to me, which is what we like, what we have to do. We can't, we can't be, we're not doctors. We, mm-hmm. we can't administer no prescription stuff, but they got it. It's hers. And she's like, hit me with it. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't know how to use one, which it sounds simple, but in a panic, when you see a person not breathing, I could see how the mistake was made. Right. And so the EpiPen, just imagine, you know, a plastic looking thing. And it's got like the end of it looks like you click it. And it's like a pen, like something would pop out, yeah. like a ballpoint pen or whatever. It's not how it works. It's supposed to go the other way. And that thing is meant to be just like swung and hit into the person. So he didn't know that. He got it. He's like, okay, cool. He lightly put the butt of it, the wrong side of it on the lady. 
and clicked it down. <laughs> fucking hit himself with the fucking. Oh yeah, it's a spring loaded thing. Go wham up into his thumb. He's like, oh, oh my god! And then he's like, it's like dangling out of his, his thing, and he's just like, oh, and like hit her, hit her, like hit her with it. And yeah. So like, who knows if like the epinephrine or whatever yeah. actually who knows who got the proper amount there. yeah all we kind of speculate and then after that he ran up and told us like ah guys what is this happening <laughs> i stabbed her with a pen but it wasn't me it was, i got it and then i gave it to her and we're like what is going on and like we're all starry-eyed and we go down and we kind of assess the situation and he was so tripped out that there was like two we saw i saw two epi pens right there and i'm like so how many epi pens are there total he's like one and i'm like With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I see one, and I see one two inches away from the other. Yeah. Like they're right next to each other. And that's the depth. One of them, he definitely touched one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how many are there? One. I'm like, shit. Like, it's, times like that make people really, their mind races a million miles an hour. And I can't blame the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's heavy. It's heavy stuff. You have a lady that is on the cusp of not being able to breathe and uh everyone really it really emphasizes how you know these emergency situations happen you got to stay calm and composed and not act on emotion and after that you know we got on the phone with the coast guard flight surgeon he's kind of walking us through symptoms and stuff cuz he you know stuff like that we're trying to maybe airlift her out or whatever and um he's asking is the condition worsening and everyone's like yeah yeah of course it is and i was like you know what? She's her color is the same, and any worse, and she wouldn't be breathing. So yeah. we're like, I think she's either staying the same or getting better because any worse, and she wouldn't breathe. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy, but everyone's emotions were like, no, it's worse. Did she uh, end up being fine? What ended up happening? Yes, she ended up being fine. So wrap up the kind of story. Got her into some comfortable clothes. Got her in a comfortable place. Had someone just kind of monitor the whole time, and it. Uh, it Did you just keep fishing? Yeah, well, the next day, well, we were going up, we were working up north anyway. We were actually, that night, we turned it to the closest port, which would have been Ensenada, which mm-hmm. was, you know, still a hundred and <laughs> some odd miles away. But it, uh, the next morning, we talked to her, and she was much better, much better. And she's like, don't stop fishing because of me. And yeah. God bless her heart, but I'm like, we got to think about you here. Right? Yeah. So, you know, please don't. Don't just do this. It might yeah. ruin everyone's trip if we have to. But it turned out good. She, And it must have been some sort of anxiety or a panic attack or something like that. But it had all the symptoms of an allergic reaction. Just her color was lost and her throat closed up. I'm like, shit. That's what happened, dude. So, <laughs> that was kind of scary. Happened again 
years later, but oof, you're so, ready this time though, huh? Oh, it was, we were so lucky too. We were coming in, giving like the, you know, the closing debarkation seminar in the morning, you know, the unloading, like, oh, put the fish in the cart, bring mm-hmm. them up. Coming into San Diego Bay and this lady starts having it. And I'm like, this could not have came at a better time. <laughs> like, so we just drove to the dock and got her, you know, to the hospital and taken care of. And it was, uh, but it was the same kind of thing. It was just like trouble breathing and this and that. But we were so fortunate. It was right there. Then I'm like, but I, we didn't know what to do. I, I, Did she have the same deal or was it like it a was, heart attack? It, no, it was, um, she was having same symptoms of an allergic reaction, had EpiPens and stuff like that. But we didn't really know which one, a panic attack or um um, a panic attack or an allergic reaction yeah. it was, but we were good. We were very relieved that we were able to get her to professionals right away. And I know you probably have a bunch of surgeons and doctors listening to this and they're like, oh, of course it's a, of course it's a panic attack. You couldn't tell that <laughs> from the, from the nine, six, whatever pulse and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we're you know very- what, dude, I've had so many panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. I think I'm fucking dying every time, dude. Shit. Well, dude, you gotta, I've had them and I'm like, I'm fucking dying for sure, bro. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like when you look at someone and they're like, I had my wife call fucking 911. This is like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I had a panic attack. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I woke up out of sleep, panic attack. Mm-hmm. My fucking mouth's numb and I'm fucking passing out. I'm like, call 911. They took me to the, nine, to the emergency. And they're like, I had a panic attack. I'm like, in my fucking sleep. He's like, yeah. I'm like, fuck, dude. Better to be safe than sorry. Right, yeah. Get it, I mean, get, I'd rather go to a professional and then say, you're good, than like the latter. You know what I mean? And you know what? Thank goodness it's only a panic yeah, attack. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's all good. But those are the two <laughs> gnarliest ones I remember as far as injuries or some sort of thing happening on that regard. What do you do now if, say, if someone died on the boat? You know, I've had, we've had that. I've had that one time over my career. And you had someone die on the boat. Yes. No and way. Yeah. So it. Uh, that that one, this one was not because of a uh, like an injury that led to that. It, we just he woke up in the morning and he was uh, he was uh, no more. And uh, it's a very difficult situation to to take on. There's obviously some legal things we got to take care of, notify the right people, and the this and the that, but. You know, basically the best thing to do from at least my one experience and, you know, Tommy's dealing with it before is you, you know, get everyone back into their uh, rooms, just give us at least like 30 minutes or a little bit of time to kind of clean everything up and get, get stuff squared away before we proceed. But, you know, you're, you're far away. And even if you're driving back, it's still a couple of days. So you got to get them situated in the proper, uh, him or her situated in the proper, um, place to be able to preserve you know his remains the best you can and that entails uh freezing so that uh, we have freezers but we don't throw them with the f- fish you, you have know. a dedicated freezer almost like yeah exactly yeah. and we have body bags and stuff like that and you know pretty heavy stuff but you know it's kind of a funny thing we get a lot of people and some they say is like oh if i were to end my days i'd want to this would be the place. And part of me is like, that's cool. You know, like you want to spend, me, though. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna spend your last days, on, you know, th- but it, I think about it from my shoes. It's like, I've had so many great memories out here and I know a lot of people have the same and mm-hmm. they just feel at home. They feel like it's their place. Yeah. It's not cool for us, but you know, they went out doing what they like to do and, uh, they're, 
in a better place and yeah. looking down, you know. So, uh, but yes, as far as dealing with it, that's it's a wild. Of, yeah, I'm, I'm sure not many dude. I mean, maybe a lot of guys have passed away on boats, right? It depends <clears throat> your definition of a lot, but I'd say the guys, the people who have worked on boats for. I don't know, at least five, six years, pretty solid. Someone's, I'm sure they've seen That's someone. wild. That's mm-hmm. still kind of crazy, you know, like. It is. You get, <laughs> think about it. Yeah, you get people that are up there re- enjoying their retirement and just keep creeping along in age, and before you know it, it's uh, that time. And when, I don't know, you know, it's. No, it's definitely. That yeah. time, you know. Thanks, thanks for me for being a fucking bummer right now, huh? Talking about death. We're talking about <laughs> talking about real stuff. Part of life is death. You know what I mean? You can't avoid the inevitable. So you know, it's uh, going going doing something you love. That's the good thing to take away from it is uh, people love uh, love being out there. And well, let's talk about something. Let's talk a little more positive, right? Uh, let's right. talk about some of the either your personal best or your boat, because I know some guys like to talk about what has been brought onto their boat mm-hmm. you know so tell us about that okay so both two categories we got myself and uh my boat um myself on my first 15 day that i was able to i paid for i kind of mentioned mentioned there i went on the red rooster and gosh i was 18 and i saved up all this money to go on a 15-day trip. I had to be on a standby list. I got called like a week before. They're like, hey, you want to go? I'm like, a week? I got, uh, what? And I'm like, hold on. I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, but I don't have any gear. Yeah. Like, I said, like the crew's like, just buy, get get on the boat and we'll take care of you or whatever. I'm like, I like, I told the secretary, I'm like, I have the money to go on the trip. I don't have any gear. And she's like, it was an, it was an accurate sponsored trip and I didn't know, but oh, okay. they bring on like, 50 rods and 50 reels and like just they're all set up so yeah. i didn't realize that but they're like yeah come on we'll take care of you and i just packed up for a 15-day fishing trip with clothes boots normal stuff like that and <laughs> i had like a 30 pound fly line set up and a, and a nine foot jig stick and i'm just ah, here i am you got all these guys <laughs> like dock or dock carts just full of rods and tackle chests and fucking you know ammo boxes of weights and i'm like I got a backpack in a bag. And, <laughs> and like, wow. So anyway, went on that, and uh, that was like paradise for me. You Really? Well, you go fishing on those trips, and you have a good shot. You have a really good shot at catching a giant tuna any time of day, especially a hurricane bank. Day, night, middle of the night, noontime, whatever. And uh, that trip, I was able to, like, oh, fact, big, long story I could tell, but kind of fast forward to like the second to last day, and... Uh, through all these sharks, the sharks were so gosh darn bad. They were even eating the sardines, and it got to a point where I was like casting out a sardine. I'd watch it swim away from the boat, and I'd see two sharks jet after it. I'm like, yeah, f this. I wound it in. I'd literally soak a bait for 15 seconds, maybe. It seemed like pointless. Yeah, it seemed pointless. Yeah, everyone's like, f this, sitting down. Like I'm cooking too many sharks, but that's the only way I could soak a bait in the water is like 15 seconds, or else it's getting eaten. Wind it in, change it. One time out of the gajillion times I casted that day, plopped it in the water, bait woke up, sprinted away, it was out of sight, same shit, see a couple of sharks come from under the boat, out, whatever, kind of right towards where I think it is, about to be like, yep, wind it in, and just, whoa, this flash comes, flash in flat water, like 15 feet behind the boat, and like, holy shit, and I put the reeling gear and just screams, it had 700 yards, 
I was fishing 130 and had 700 yards of fuck spectra on it. It was not stopping. <laughs> and, you know, I think back now, I'm like, should I button drag down a little more? I don't know. And I'm just like, someone working the kite is like, uh, do you, uh, what you got going on down there? And I'm like, do you have any suggestions? And <laughs> I turn around, like, do you have any suggestions? And the reel has like, like a thumb width of line oh, on it. It's happened like 20 God, seconds and we put dude. a backup rod on it and buttoned it down. About to throw the thing in the water and we stop it. I'm like, shit. And we like start winding it, wind it back. And I think we tail wrapped it and it came back like halfway because then you could see it, like the rod just shook and something mm-hmm. happened. Then it started swimming around and we kind of fought it up. But end of that triumphant story, or fast forward to the end of that triumphant story, it was a 314. Um, point eight pound yellowfin tuna. And, point eight. Yeah. Three, how often you just say three fourteen? Round up to three fifteen. No, when you get above three hundred pounds, you get to the tenth. You get to the tenth of a pound. Three fourteen point eight. Number yeah. live in my mind. Infamous. <laughs> Brought it on, and I was just like, "Oh my goodness, man!" And everyone went from "Nice job, guy catching." You know, caught, I caught a two hundred pounder. Oh, first one, nice, and then. After that, I caught like a 280 something. They're like, oh, that's like a really big one. You're probably not going to get another one that big in your life. And then, <laughs> I, catch bet. A, and then I catch a 300, 314.8, and they're like, <laughs> I bet. What are, you, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, guy, I've been here for, I've been doing this for 25 years, and I've caught a 240 here. Like, what fuck, the fuck? And dude. so, anyway, I mean, they were happy, but it, it was just such a weird, like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> no, I bet. I bet, man. Yeah, so that's my personal best yellowfin tuna, and I. I, when I caught that thing, I'm like, I don't know if I'll catch another yellowfin tuna like that again. So that was it. Yeah. But How anyway, old were you then? I was 18. Okay. It's 18 when I caught that fish. So it was a that was a great experience <laughs> and really really cool. So that's my personal best um, background on the Polaris Supreme. I was not on the boat, but the Polaris Supreme at one time had the largest yellowfin tuna ever caught on rod and reel. It was not an IGFA world record. But it was the largest yellowfin tuna caught on rod and reel. Um, it got disqualified only because they used a backup on it. Okay. And they uh, they actually, it's funny, they put a guy on the kite, bam, took it down, spooled him. Okay, next. Put a kite out, bam, took no it down, way. another guy spooled it. Okay, next guy. Same shit, bam, hook up. Didn't spool him, put the backup on it, sent it out, wound it in. And they just threw it on the boat. They were like, oh, you know, this place, it was really slow from everything else. But then they catch a giant fish and they're going to hurry up to go move position or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really see how big it was. All I saw is three full um, sets or two slack sets of line coming out of its mouth. So it was the same fish. Yeah. Took it down three times. Oh, fuck. Dude. So they, it's like, take one, spooled, next, came back. Take all one, those spooled. fuck, did they get all those rods back? <laughs> well, no, they just, well, like, it broke oh, at spooled. the reel. Oh, it broke at the reel. So it just had, yeah. like, three, yeah. four, whatever they had back in the day of line, and they threw it on the boat, and it just baffles me that it, like, went through three people, still kept eating. Like I said, Dude. them fish, they, <laughs> they get what they want. They hungry. If he likes a taste for that flying fish or that mackerel or whatever they're gonna get it yeah anyway that fish went 399.9 pounds so it was what's the record right now it is i think it's the igfa or it's so hard to tell but the ones that have been officially weighed are around three or excuse me 455 and 450 or something maybe 460 some guys are weighing them on the boat or taping them out but 
I, I know the XL, they caught one. It was 445 pounds. But at that, at t- that time, at that time no fish broke 400 pounds. So that was a quite an accomplishment for years. And uh, then I think in 2011 or 10 or something like that, the, uh, the Vagabond finally broke the 400-pound mark and got a 405-pound yellowfin tuna. Finally broke it. And then ever since then, they've been catching a couple more over 400 so here and there. Big, dude. Yep, that's a that was a big dude back in the day where they had like 300 yards of 100-pound test line. And, you know, I told you mine, I caught on 130 and I had 700. This thing, they were able to like dive with clips and get it on. <laughs> I can only imagine just hours of boredom then, oh, hook up. Oh, shit. Like you just got to yeah. be like quick on we're the draw. We're going. <laughs> yeah. So you, you don't want it overboard too late. It's already yeah. fucking sailing out there, you know. Hopefully our knot's good. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, um, dude. Yeah, it's cool that fish though. It, they they got it mounted for the boat, took it around to trade shows and stuff now. But it was in a, we uh just we sold it to King's Fish House and they are gonna put it in their restaurant in uh, Las Vegas. They're starting a cool restaurant in Vegas. Oh, there. that's fucking cool, man. So part of part of the Supreme will will be living in Vegas with the one of the biggest tuna ever caught on rod and reel. So that's kind of cool. It's going to a good home. I like the fact that it's going to go to a <laughs> restaurant. And, People are going to stare at it while enjoying their fine seafood dinners. <laughs> Very fine. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> what, uh, so what's your local tackle shop? Down here, at least. Oh, goodness. I, you know, there's a lot. It's, I haven't been to a tackle shop in so long, but, I mean, down by my parents' house has always been kind of Hogan's Tackle or the Jig Stop. You know, I like the Longfin, you know, Angler Center. Those have been my main ones, but you know, the more trips I go on, the more guys I meet that work at different tackle shops and yeah. stuff like that that I go to. I think actually, excuse me here, sorry <laughs> about that. Had to ventilate. <laughs> uh, was the one around here? The uh, oh, shit, I forgot. We and, have it, performance local, and then we have fisherman's access. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I've, well. I forgot. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, those are the those are my main ones. Or I get it like online. I just call them. I'm so busy now. I don't have really the time to like yeah stop and shop around. I remember that was such an enjoyable thing for me in my younger years too to go to a tackle shop and look at all the swim baits. I'm like, oh, that's gonna be the <laughs> now. It's like a oh, I just gotta buy some some of this. Like whatever. I gotta go. I'm like, daddy, can I have a? I need two bags of blue six X juniors or scrambled egg. Come on, like you know what I mean. And they're like, here we go, and it shows up, and you know we just get pay we buy a bunch at a time so yeah it's funny how that kind of goes away the, the allure of uh of shopping at a tackle store kind of has has faded well i think me, it's when least, it you know? when you when you turn your uh passion into a job it changes a little bit i think mm-hmm. right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's uh it's still so cool always going there but yeah like i said the main one for is the long fin for me and the uh the jig stop or hogan's down in uh down Dana, Dana Point, yeah. yeah, those were all the really cool for me. Especially, I, I like Hogan's. When I used to surf fish down there when I was a little kid, for some yeah, reason, yeah, used dude, to be Hogan's there. is a good good place too. Yeah, I like yeah. going there too when I'm down that way. Nice, yes. yeah. I go to Long. I I fucking drive everywhere. I go to uh, usually go to Performance, mm-hmm. but if not, I'll go to Angler Center because uh, I talk to the manager Comron there. He's real nice. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Hogan's if I'm down like really down south, mm-hmm. you know. But the same thing. Wherever you're at, dude. I mean, I try to buy 
as much at tackle shops as possible. Yeah. Not Amazon or tackle. It's so easy just to buy shit off the internet. Yeah, it's, the, <laughs> it's the small, yeah. there are small businesses and, you know, one day they could be gone just from like that, but that you really lose that personal touch. You lose exactly. that kind of that local knowledge. And, you know, I mean, obviously a guy working at a tackle shop is not going to be like a guide, but, or at sometimes they are, but even still, they're a good medium point. Like, hey, what would you recommend? I'm going surf fishing here. I'm going halibut fishing there. And they're just gems and knowledge. And yeah. they're, they're, not, they're just so invaluable that, you know, it's great to support those, any local guys like that just to, you know, keep that extra edge because I have yet to see Amazon send me a recommendation <laughs> on a uh, good one. <laughs> yes, exactly. On a, on a fishing, on fishing yeah. gear. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, those are the shops I dig. So, what was you saying? Your favorites were uh, uh, performance. I usually go to our, our uh, I go to Long Fan Fisherman's Access. Cool, whatever I'm around at the time. Mm-hmm. Fisherman's Access is probably the closest, and mm-hmm. I usually go there to talk to Seth. Or, mm-hmm. uh, but I go to performance to hang out. Yeah, because got... I work down that way, so I'll stop and just hang out and talk to Joe mm-hmm. or Mark. You know, just hang out, buy a couple of things. Dark sleepers. That's my fucking go to. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice but uh yeah definitely i love love going to tackle shops the, the performance we got definitely got a lot of uh, a lot of clients who really swear by them and you know it's just i don't have enough hours in the day to go scope out all these places if i'm in the neighborhood i'm like hey just stop by there and yeah yeah that's how i out. started my uncle told me to go there and mm-hmm. we checked it out but hey thanks for coming on bro really appreciate it it's been a fun time where can they reach you at? Well, they could reach me if you go to our uh, our Facebook or our Instagram, you know, Polaris Supreme. On the, just type that in on Facebook or Instagram. I think it's just Polaris Supreme on Instagram and just DM me and we'll, uh, you know, they can ask me any questions they want or if they want to book a trip. We got our website, PolarisSupreme.com um, or Polaris Supreme Sport Fishing. Anyway, just don't sound very professional knowing our exact <laughs> website there, but Polaris Supreme, not the not the ATV Polaris and not, not, not any sort of, you know, Mexican dish yeah. supreme, but yeah. combine those two. That's where it is. And that's how you can reach our secretary, Susan, who can hook you up with coming on any trips. And if you do have a question tackle related, just let her know if you want to call there and she'll connect you with me and she'll connect or Tommy or whoever's not on the boat. So that way one of us will be able to set you up with the tackle or the techniques or, you know, just answer any questions. Cause we get people from all over that, you know, have uh, have questions, you know, coming from Montana or Texas or whatever. They have no inkling of starting, but yeah. we're more than happy to return your call and, you know, get you all squared up on the fishing going on, the relevant fishing. Yeah. Yeah, please do that instead of going to the recommended tackle list. <laughs> Good. Definitely do. Yep. I'm sorry, performance tackling all you tackle <laughs> shops out there. You know, if they followed that list, you guys would be making some money. <laughs> but, you know... That covers everything. Yeah. We can definitely streamline it. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks again for coming on, bro. Oh, I really Uh, enjoyed it. The invitation's open, man. If you ever want to come back on, hang out, talk fishing, come back on, bro. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, guys.